us. I have loved it because it has been jacking my life up. So I'm excited to share with you guys as we continue on this journey. Uh, today we're talking about a mountaintop table, which will make sense in just a moment. But again, I'm one of those guys. Call me crazy. Go ahead. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. Call me crazy, but I believe that God has a unique plan that is made for all of you. I believe that God has dreamed about your life. You're like, have you seen my life lately? No, I don't know every bit of your life. But I do believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But what I have seen and felt even in my own life, and what you can attest to as well, that the enemy has a plan too. And the thing is this, God wants to to see his plan come to fruition in your life, and so does the enemy. So that puts us at a place as to what we will choose. Will we choose the purpose of God, because he has that for your life. You see that on your screen as it's defined, the reason. Will you choose that, or will you choose to do what you prefer the path in which you want to walk on your own. So we think about this this morning, and we've, we've gleaned from the life of David, haven't we? I've enjoyed it so much. Philip Keller helped us to understand that as well as we looked at the life of the shepherd. We see it in Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You'll hear more about that in just a moment. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So important. See, we we got to look at David's life, and we got to hear him say, the Lord is my shepherd. And then as we've grown on this journey, we've also been enabled to say the same thing from John 10, 11. As we see who the thief is and what he comes to do, we also see that we have a good shepherd, Jesus, who came for us. I don't know about you guys, but that makes me a little excited. Anybody with me? I think nine might have been a little lively. Can I get some love here, 11? There we go. It's just good stuff. Okay, okay, we're going to have some fun. So we've seen that we want for nothing when we have the shepherd in our pasture, that he puts us in life-giving pasture, right? That he brings us water that calms us and restores us. We have to deny ourselves as we go further, picking up that cross daily and following him. That even though we go through the darkest valleys, guess what? He is there with us. His rod and his staff, his word and his spirit, they help us, they lead us, they guide us, and they comfort us. But here we are today, knowing that life can't be all in the valley either, right? The valleys, we experience these a lot and we feel that we spend most of our life here, but also God desires to take you to a higher place. Come on. He desires to take you to a higher place. He didn't design for you to live life in the valley. He, his design for you is that you can make it through the valley to the high place with him. He wants to give you mountain top pastures, a mountain top table. So we can say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd as he prepares the table. 
Does this make sense to you guys? I mean, you guys are probably starting to get a little hungry. It's 1141. It is lunchtime. Can I get some? Oh, my. Okay. Not amen on that. Like, oh, my. I'm really feeling it now. Okay. Y'all need to be a church that feeds me in the morning. Matt goes around with donut holes. And I'm just like, communion. Bless the Lord. He just walks around with Timbits. And I'm like, come here, my child. Unto me. I will partake. You know? You're like, where's he at now? They're all gone. Hey, you get here early, you get 10 bits, just saying. Okay. But a table, a table is a, a high plateau in sheep terms, okay? It is this high place that the shepherd leads these sheep to in that summer season of grazing. Also, it is known as mesas. Can anybody say that with me? Mesas. Oh, you sound like you are speaking in Spanish, no? <laughs> Mesas, all right? It means tables. Anybody from Spain or speak Spanish? I see those hands. I Forgive me, okay? I just botched everything that you know is true and beautiful. It's the American way. David told us, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus is preparing a place for you, a mountaintop place where you can have the best of the best in your life because of his great love for you. And that even though you walk through valley experiences, that you see that you can be strong and courageous because he is with you. See, we look at this, we, we've split it up each time, looking at God's purpose and our preference when we, when we look at these, each of these aspects that the shepherd goes with us through. And we see this purpose is that he wants to go ahead of us listen to me, and prepare the way in all things. He wants to go ahead of you in every situation, in every circumstance, in every relationship, everything that concerns you. Your good shepherd wants to go ahead of you. But what do we like to do? I got it. I'll go ahead on my own. I'm fine, right? Are you with me? Anybody have children? Anybody have children? I have some, okay? How many of you are children? Okay, all of us raise hands, okay? And there are some times that my blessed little children, I just tell them, look, stay by me. Because, look, I can tell that there's some things ahead that are not good. You see those rocks? You see, I'm, I'm like that risk analysis guy. Anybody like that? You see everything before it happens, okay? I'm like, Bleh! just before my eye. Just like, that's so raven. Okay, I just see it all, okay? <laughs> now, look, stay by my side. Don't leave my side because I'm telling you. I've been ahead. I can see ahead. I can see things that you don't see. Let your preference be that you stay by my side because that is my purpose for you. See, what we do is we think that, well, I've made it to the mountaintop. I'm up here and everything is beautiful. Everything is fine. Jesus, you brought me through the valley. You put me on the mountaintop. This place is great. Look at it. We think as though when we get to that place in life, when we come out of that valley, that everything's going to be perfect and fine. The truth is this, that's a lie. There are still predators. There are still things that can poison our lives. There are, are things that are out there that the shepherd sees that he does not want you to have to experience. And that's why he goes 
ahead of you. Are you with me? So what he does is he prepares the table. He prepares the table in three ways that we're going to break down here in just a few moments. The first, he preps the pasture, okay? He preps the pasture. The second, he keeps his eyes on those who pray. Not those who pray like, oh, look at my little child praying with their hands cupped. No, those that pray, ha, kind of pray, okay? Are you with me on that? Man, I got to wake you guys up. It's okay. The third thing is this, he secures the source of water. So let's start by looking at how he preps the pasture. So what's really neat about a shepherd, okay, we're talking about real shepherd to real sheep. What he does is he will go ahead while the sheep are still grazing in the lowlands. Months ahead, he will go ahead up to that pasture place, that mountaintop table. And what he will do is he will begin to survey the land. He will begin to look at the fields and he will say, well, this one will be good for this. This one will be good for that one. That one's not so healthy. I see some hazards over here. I see some cliffs over there. There's some things that maybe some predators can hang out with. I see all this. I'm looking at this. So he goes goes ahead and he preps the pasture in that way. And about a couple weeks beforehand, he'll go ahead again. He'll look again at the pasture, the mountaintop table to make sure that it is absolutely perfect for his sheep. He'll even take some salt and some minerals with him and spread it around to make sure that the grass will grow lush and healthy for us to have pasture. Because that is the type of shepherd that is a good shepherd, right? One of those things that he will even find is poisonous weeds. Believe it or not, poisonous weeds and, and plants that even look like there's something that would be good. This one called camas, which is a flowered plant that looks beautiful, but in just a moment's time, especially to a young sheep, will absolutely kill it, devastate its life. See, what he does is he goes ahead and he checks these fields. He formulates a feeding plan. Aren't you glad that he helps us as he goes ahead? He finds the way that we'll have the provision that we need when we need it as he goes ahead, but also ridding the pasture of the poison. See, we can't just get to the mountaintop place and just run wild. Don't you kind of picture that? Like, born free, free as the, you know, just frolicking. Anybody with me on that? Anybody read scripture that way ever? It's a lot of fun when you just make it like a Disney film, okay? And like all of a sudden Mary Poppins shows up or something, okay? So, you know, I kind of picture it that way. That, that we get to this place, though, and we think, yes, finally. Like I said with those little kids, when they run ahead, a lot of times what happens you fall down, and I told you not to, what kind of thing, right? We have to be led by him. We can't just run ahead on our own. We have to trust him, and we have to be led by him because he knows the fields well. He has walked the fields. He has been in that place before. He knows what to look for. He knows what is healthy, and he knows what is harmful. We have to be led by him, but also we have to be careful to discern what is God. And what is not? Because sometimes we'll just go ahead. It's funny. I, was, I talked about little Corbin in first service. Jess and Drew's little boy. Have you ever have you seen him? He is like a tank, okay? This boy's like 30 pounds and he's one foot tall, okay? No, but he, he is a hoss. And it's fun to watch Corbin to literally just graze, okay? Literally, he's like a little sheep. Sometimes he's a little bad, um, but sometimes he's really good. No, but I'll watch him in the nursery, okay? I'll be talking to Jess and meeting about stuff because she's an awesome admin assistant. And I'll watch this little guy start walking around the room, and he just starts picking up stuff, and he's like, huh, maybe that's edible. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, no! He's like, 
Okay. And I'll watch him and I'm saying, grab something else and maybe that's edible. I'm like, no, kind of thing, right? Because I'm, I'm that dad again. Even if they're not my kids, I'm watching everything and thinking, well, I just got 911 on speed dial. I'll make sure we'll be okay here. But a lot of times what we do is we'll just go and, and just, I want to eat that. I want this. I want that. I don't care if it's poisonous. I don't, you say it is, but is it really? I mean, it's such a beautiful flower. It looks, mmm, tastes, poof. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times in our lives, we, we lack the trust, we lack his leadership, and we lack the discernment that would help us to avoid these difficult situations. We have to know his voice and be able to pick it out in the crowd. So many voices, so many voices that you hear in a given day, right? You have friends, you have family, you have spiritual leaders in your life, and you have just random strangers down the road. All of these people say so many different things, don't they? But the most important voice that we have to know as we are in that mountaintop place and also in that valley low is the voice of our Lord and Savior. Why? Because again, Satan has a plan for your life too. Listen to this, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Simon, Simon, Jesus speaking to him. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. We know that Peter denied Jesus. We know for a moment, we know for a moment that he said, you know what? I'm going to do what I want in this. I'm going to deny and not believe whatsoever, at least to the outside. Jesus knew this would happen. And he says, look, Simon, I want you to be attentive to something in your life. Understand that, yes, I have a plan for your life, but so does the enemy. And he wants to take your life, and what he wants to do is he wants to put you in the sifter, and he wants to shake you up to see what's really inside of you. And the thing is this, every time we take one step with the Lord, the enemy takes one step closer, saying that I'm going to sift your life, I'm going to see what you are really made of. Anybody ever felt that? You felt that as soon as you took a step towards the Lord, the target got bigger on your back and you got hit that much more by the enemy. You started tithing, you started giving, and all of a sudden your car breaks down. You're tithing, you're giving, and all of a sudden you got all these bills that came out. Anybody understand what I'm saying about that? You try to get healthy, you start eating well and exercising, and then you roll your ankle. You know what I mean? Anybody ever felt something like that? You try to be kind to people. You try to turn over a new leaf and they come up to you and just tell you how fat and ugly you are. You're like, man, I'm in the sifter. And it ain't sift delicious. It's hateful. Are you with me on this? The enemy wants to sift you like wheat, but our good shepherd has set the table. He has prepared the table for you so that you too can succeed in that season. He wants you to be found faithful. So the second thing he does is he keeps his eyes on those who pray. Remember, we get to that mountaintop place, right? And it's that bonfire, you know, and the sheep just bring, 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 go everywhere. Can you picture that? I just, it's the Bible. It's fun. It really can be. You just watch them and, and, and I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe this pasture doesn't have any boundaries. Maybe it doesn't have fences. Maybe it doesn't have these things. Still does have the shepherd, but these sheep, you know, they get excited. And they're like, yes, finally out of the valley, 
out from under the prey, out from under all of the peril, out from all of these things. And they start running. But the thing is this, like I said before, there are still predators. There are still poisonous situations that attempt to take you down. They're wolves, coyotes, cougars, and bears, and all of them love them some lamb chops. All of them want to devour the lamb. Keller tells a story as he was a shepherd at one point of how one evening, you know, uh, unbeknownst to him that, that cougars had come into the camp, that they had come into the flock. And he wakes up in the morning and he sees uh, an atrocious sight of his lambs that have been, had wool ripped from their flesh and that they've had their insides, you know, okay, pretty nice, the ugly. Some of them also even dead. And he makes this story and makes such good sense out of it to my mind and yours too with the understanding that sometimes the enemy comes in and he comes in so quickly you don't even know what has happened. All you see is the devastation that is left behind. See, I'm, I'm so excited and happy to know that I have a shepherd and you do too that is always watching for the prey, those who prey on us. What does he do? He's looking for signs. He's watching what's happening on the periphery of the flock of your life. But he's also watching you and seeing how you're responding to things as well. He's marking the movements. He's seeing where they go. He's seeing their activity and he's marking it down in his mind so he can strategically respond later. And what he does is he quickly responds when you are under attack. What does that shepherd have in his hand? Again, he has that rod, which we know is the word of God, which gives us power to defeat the enemy. But he also has that physical rod, which was a tool, which was like a gun in that day. And that he was so skilled with that. That shepherd was so skilled with that rod that when he hear, he would hear, see, or even feel that you're under attack, he would take that thing and you just hear it. Just like a bullet through the air because he would attack those who attack you. So important for us to understand that he is watching out for us and he wants to reveal to us the ways that the enemy tries to attack. Have you ever noticed that? Take count of situations in your life, okay? Listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks. Have you watched that the attacks in your life look mostly the same? Have you noticed that? It may be a bad attitude is how he comes in. It may be fear. It may be anxiety. It may be frustration. It may be lack of trust. It may be all these things, but you see the way that he attacks your life, right? And then beyond that point, you see the devastation. See, that's what the, that's what the Lord will help us do is see how the enemy attacks so that we can combat it in the small ways, but also he can help us in the large ways as he responds even when it happens. We have to stay close to his side. So important. We see that 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. So important. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We get this picture of a roaring lion. Rah! You know, kind of thing. You, you picture that with me? Can you help me with that this morning? Can you help? I mean, come on. You love to get into the sermon, don't you? You're like, I take notes, I nod my head, I say amen. But what I need help with this morning is roar with me, okay? Okay, all right. Are you ready? 
Come on, this is, this, this, we got to make it loud because it'll make sense in a moment, all right? You got to roar on three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Roar! Come on, that was lame-o. All right, you ready? Like, this is a time that you can just conjure up your inner beast, okay? You can get your fight on, okay? This is your fight song, your inner roar. You ready? One, two, three. Roar! Was that like 15% participation? Okay, if I wasn't going to pass out before from dizziness, it'll about happen now. See, he, 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 he goes around, he prowls around like a roaring lion, but guess what? He has no teeth. Because as a lion ages, he loses his teeth. All he has left is his roar. I'm glad I'm doing this by myself. <laughs> we have to be alert that we don't get blinded by the sight of him, but also, as my little daughter would say sometimes, ear blind, um, blinded by the sound of him. How many of you guys are cat lovers, for real? Just raise your hand if you are. Yes. I will pray for you. <laughs> Whew, they're not, I'm not a friend of felines, okay? See, we get afraid of the raw, but really it's the my brother had this cat growing up. I swear this thing was, uh, he looked like, was it church from Pet Cemetery? Remember that? <laughs> this cat would sit at the top of the steps, okay? It was gray and had yellow eyes and was a spawn of Satan. <laughs> Thoroughly convinced. It would sit at the top of the steps and wait for us to walk by and, you know what I mean? And attack us. Brutally attack us. And my brother was like, oh, it's such a good kitty. I'm like, you're, you're sinister too, okay? You're, but we gather, you, you must have come from the pit as well, you know? But we, we, we listen to the roar, but we don't pay attention to the meow. Because here's what he does. He, he makes you get scared and, 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 and pay attention to that roar because he attacks you in the small ways. The devil's in the details. You know what I mean? He, he comes in from the side, gets on your ankle, and <laughs> you fall over. You know what I'm saying? Jumps on you in a small way, pounces upon you. If you get scratched or bit by a cat, you could be in big trouble. Like, you can get diseases and stuff from them things, okay? You're like, I don't like cats anymore. Success. Be alert and sober-minded. Keep your mind in the right spot, knowing how he will attack again. Be sober-minded. Be in the situation, not outside of it, seeing what's really going on, because it's those seemingly insignificant small cats that cause the most damage, not the roaring lion, because all he's got is his roar. Nothing's left. So when we've stayed close to the shepherd, we're in a better spot. But what happens when you fall away? When we fall from his side, when we get outside of his care, we set ourselves up for attack. Human nature, we do it. We set ourselves up for attack. When we get away from his side, we step outside of his protection. He's got that rod and that staff in his hand for a reason. 
so that he can protect you. He's got his word and his spirit that lives in you so that he can protect you when you step out from his side. You step out from his protection. Why is all this bad stuff happening to me? What kind of positioning do you have to the shepherd? How close are you to him? How much is his word in your heart? How much is his spirit living in you and flowing out of you? When we move away from his side, we find ourselves speechless, unable to respond. The cat strikes and you're like, you know, that kind of thing that hurts so bad. You ever watched Home Alone? You ever watch? I love that part. You know what I'm talking about? He's in so much pain. Daniel Stern cannot respond. I love that. That's our favorite part. But if you don't stay close to the shepherd, when you get attacked, those cougars come in the middle of the night. You have no time to respond. And we're not talking about old ladies that prey on young men, okay? I know people went there already. I watched their minds in the back. Y'all need to get saved. Okay. We have to be alert and never leave his side. But if you have fallen from his side... Psalm 61, 3 through 4 says this, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. If you found yourself fallen from his side, you can find him again if you look for him. You can run to him and he will be that strong tower that you can run to and you can climb up inside of it, if you will. You know, that strong tower, that high place, and you can see above the attacks of the enemy because you are with your shepherd. You will find refuge in him. He will be your safe place once again. But it's your choice to put yourself back with him. And the last thing that he does as our good shepherd, as he leads us and guides us, He secures the source of water. You remember early on in this series, we learned that a sheep cannot live without water. Some only for a few hours before they die. It is essential for them as it is essential for us, right? We need to have water. Depending upon the conditions of the sheep's life, it can only be hours or maybe days. And we think about this in our spiritual lives. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the rivers that flow fresh from us. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. What he does, though, is he secures the source of water by cleaning out the streams. As he goes up there before and he preps the land, he gets ready for this. He looks at these streams and he sees these sticks. He sees these rocks and he said, that's not suitable for my sheep. I'm going to get that stuff out of there because I want to make sure when they need refreshment, when they need vitality, when they need water, they can come to this stream and they can find it. What else does he do? He repairs the dams. Jill, he repairs you. Jill Dam, best damn family in town. That's her last name. (laughs) He repairs the dams. He takes these earthen dams and he puts them back in place so that the water can flow to it and they can drink from that as well. So important. Also, he opens up the springs. What does that mean? I can see him with his staff, this long staff, and he's sitting there stabbing at the ground, stabbing at the ground to make sure that this stream will flow again. His Holy Spirit penetrating our hearts so that it can flow once again in our lives. What a beautiful visual. Why does he do this? Because he loves his sheep. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why did he do this? 
God wanted to understand us even more. God wanted to enter into our suffering even more. God wanted to be even more connected to us. So he said, I will give my son, my very best, my prized possession, my all in all, I will give my son. And because he came, his heart was filled with compassion and care, and he became our good shepherd. Our team's going to come up as we get ready to close this morning. What I want us to do is to get our hearts in a place that we see Paul talk about in Philippians and this, and that I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. We see Paul saying that I want to identify with him in his suffering. You know, Paul did get his wishes. A lot of times we don't want to feel that. We don't want to feel the valley. We don't want to feel even the fear of the mountaintop place, knowing that even then predators can and will come and scare us and strike the flock and make us scatter. But Jesus came and he suffered so that you could be whole. And you know what we should do? Have that same heart towards him. Let me identify with you more. Let me understand what you went through. Why? So that I can love others just like you loved me. He suffered in our stead. Why did he do this? So that we can find the rest that's in him, that we can walk with confidence and that we can experience true relaxation that comes in the shepherd's field and the shepherd's care in the valley and on the mountaintop as well. And this is what's going to blow your mind because it blows mine daily. This thought process here in John 7, 38 Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from, flow from them. You're thinking, that doesn't really blow my mind. The part that blows our mind is all it takes is belief. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about identifying with Christ more and I look at the cross and what it really means, it means suffering. And I start thinking about it and I think about what he experienced in the garden. And I, I think about the ridicule and the hatred that he experienced in front of Pilate. And I, and I think about what Calvary did to him as he was on that cross, the, the, the most ugly, grotesque thing ever. And what it symbolizes. And I think to myself, you're telling me all I got to do is just believe? All I have to do is believe? Well, how much does it cost? What do you want me to pay? How many years do you want me to give to you before I get married and have kids? Or what do you want me to do? What, what, what are the hoops I have to jump through? What are the things I have to say? What, how can I even begin to understand your suffering? How can I begin to love you half as much? You just have to believe. Does that blow your mind? Why? Because he did for us what we would never do for anybody else. He took away sin. Yeah, you, you would die for your kids. You'd put yourself in harm's way for your children. Or maybe you guys, as your, you would for your parents. 
but would you die for the guilt of someone else? Would you die for the hatred that someone has in their heart? Would you die? Come on, you seen this? Would you die for how mean they are? Would you die for how broken they are? Would you die for what they've done to you? Would you die? Would you suffer for others the way that Jesus suffered for you? This is where we need to be. A common belief that I've got nothing. All I've got is grace. And when I believe this wholly in my heart and fully in my life that rivers of living water will flow from me and to others too. You know, right now we probably are are spewing (laughs) poisoned streams, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're a stagnant pond with green nastiness growing on top. And you have a life that absolutely no one could drink from. We're going to go to this place in our hearts saying, God, I believe, regardless of what I've done, and it could be pretty nasty, pretty hurtful and pretty hateful, I believe that I'm forgiven. I, I will repent. I will turn from myself and what I may have done, and I will turn to you so that this is what it's all about. Listen to me. Living waters can flow from me and others can see you too. In this mountaintop, in this valley, you've been with me. Your spirit has led and guided me so that he could live in me and flow out of me. Your life is a spiritual conduit. What flows from it? We understand. I don't. You're right. I've been through this. I've been through that. Yeah, I'm sure that hurt really bad. I've got my own. But I also know that you were God's idea. Some of you really need to hear this. That you were God's idea. You were God's solution to the pain of the sphere that you influence every week. You were God's idea and he wants and has always wanted to flow through you. But you just got to believe that he can and he will.